Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for this day and the opportunities you've given us to gather in your house and be able to get into your word and be a part of your family and be able to look so look forward to so much this coming year. Help us all be prepared for it. Always lead, guide, direct everything we say, everything we do, every step that we take, so we can always draw close to you through it. We thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Happy New Year! It's amazing how quickly the the years have seemed to go by. And a lot of folks make New Year's resolutions for New Year's, especially in this country. And if you look it up, it reads, a New Year's resolution is a tradition most common in the Western Hemisphere in which a person resolves to change an undesired trait or behavior or to accomplish a personal goal or otherwise improve their life. So basically, it's setting a goal, picking a time to start that, whether it's a personal improvement or a desire of something you want to achieve, setting New Year's Day as being that day to set that goal. A lot of folks will set goals to improve their life, improve their physical condition. There are more memberships to gyms and health groups such as that than in January than there is any other time of the year. People have those goals to either lose some weight or get in shape or be ready for a particular challenge they're facing. So they join those gyms. And there's people that decide that there's a bad habit that they might be doing, such as a substance abuse or some other behavior, and they want to get it cleaned up. They want to get rid of that bad behavior. And they go to various places to get treatment or rehab centers to overcome an addiction to something, to basically casting out some bad behavior. But in Luke chapter 11... The Lord addresses this in verse 24 and 26. Speaking of how some of the things that people are involved in is actually demonic, that there's an evil spirit or an evil behavior or attitude that is within someone. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 24 reads, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man... He walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first." And some people set those goals on their own with their own strength or the strength of some of the people that might be around them to try to overcome that, to clean themselves out. But there's nothing else in there. There's no indwelling spirit of the Holy Ghost. So you find over and over people that have done this have tried to clean themselves up that in the end wind up worse than they were before they even started might drop one habit, pick up three or four others. 
and go right back into the other and be worse than you were to begin with. Some of you may be thinking of some folks that you can point out that you know good and well that has happened to them. The Lord talks about it, therefore it's the truth. we got to know that there is a way to overcome that by being indwelt with the Holy Ghost, and then there's a no vacancy sign put up, and that evil spirit cannot come back in. Just like it says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They have the attitude, okay, there's something I'm doing that I've got to correct. I've got to get rid of it. That's the Holy Ghost convicting them. Letting them know that there's a behavior in your life that needs to be altered. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That gift is available. You've got to reach out and receive it and apply that gift. But God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave us the opportunity of that. Through His sacrifice, He allowed us to be able to be forgiven. And it's awesome the amount of things that He provides us with and that forgiveness and that cleansing is one of those great things that He does. And over in... Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Confession. A lot of these folks that have made these New Year's resolutions are confessing it because they're even telling others about, well, I have this habit or that habit and I'm going to try to overcome it. This is my goal. So they are proclaiming it but are they proclaiming it to the Lord? Are they confessing it to Jesus Christ? He is the one you need to confess it to. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. When you truly believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to proclaim it. You're going to live it. You're going to express it to others as well. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's very simple, very basic. Call upon the name of the Lord. Confess your sins. Then He'll do the work. you just got to hang on for the ride. Trust in Him. Because when you come to the Lord and confess your sins and you're indwelt with the Holy Ghost, He begins to do a work. Sometimes we can see an instant change in people. And we know that we're sinners. They come in, they get saved, and boom, their life changes completely. They drop all the filthy habits. They are really trusting. They are really listening up. They're really following the Holy Ghost. Others, it takes a little bit more time. They slowly grow into what they need to be to bring honor and glory to the Lord. You've seen this happen in others, I'm sure. That some, yes, there's an instantaneous change, no doubt whatsoever. Others, it takes a little more time. So don't let the devil or don't let others or even yourself beat you up. When you do make a decision to trust in the Lord, to get cleansed of your sins, and indwelt with the Holy Spirit, begin that work. Don't be discouraged when sometimes you might stumble, you might fail, you might pull off the road a little bit, get messed up, might roll over in the mud, get dirty. Well, take it back to the Lord. 
Get it taken care of it. Get it washed in the blood. Don't beat yourself up when you mess up. Don't let others beat you up. Don't let the devil keep you down and beat you up with that. All we got to do is trust in Him and He can give us that strength to overcome it and to continue to bring honor and glory to Him by giving us that indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost, by listening up to Him, like He tells us over in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 15. You've got to keep His commandments, which His commandments, the two great ones that He emphasizes, to love God with all your existence and love others as yourself. When you truly love God, you want to please Him. And you want to show Him that you appreciate what He has done for you. Part of what He has done for us is He has given us this body and then He gives us opportunities to use this body to gain points and gain rewards and gain blessings that we can use in the millennial period and for eternity. And He piles on more and more grace, more and more blessings as we use them, as we ask for them as well. If we lack faith, He tells us to come to Him, He'll give us more faith. And then we apply it and then He multiplies it. But if we take the blessings that He has given us and then we abuse those blessings or waste those blessings or trash those blessings, or, then how do you think He's going to feel? Is He going to want to give you that much more? Is He going to be encouraged to give you even more health or more wealth or more prosperity in any sort if you're going to waste what He's given you? If you had a child and you were helping that child out by giving that child a special gift. Like this past Christmas, you give that child a special gift and then he turns around and just trashes it, tears it up, wastes it, or throws it away. Are you encouraged to then turn around and give him some more of that same gift? Mm, I doubt it. But if we truly love him and we keep his commandments, the comforter comes into us, and then we use what he has given us in the right way, then he piles even more blessings upon us when we show our appreciation, when we don't trash what He's given us, whether it be our health or wealth or relationships, whatever it is, we've got to know we're stewards. We're ambassadors of God. We've got to act like it, behave like it. That's all part of keeping His commandments. In John chapter 14, verse 15, if, we, if ye love Me, keep My commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. The indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost, known as the Comforter. Not just to stay in you while you're doing right. Not just to stay in you while you are perfectly walking the Christian life. No, He's still in there when you're getting off the track and rolling around in the mud. He's still there. He might be smacking you around and giving you an attitude adjustment in the process. But you got to know He's still there. So listen up to Him. Get it taken care of. Get it washed in the blood. Get back on a straight and narrow. Keep His commandments. And the Comforter will give you that comfort that comes along with that obedience to the Lord. And I will pray the Father and He shall give you another Comforter that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Truth. That's an important one. He'll let you know when you hear the truth. He'll fill you with the truth. Spirit of truth. Another name for the Holy Ghost. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Those out there that have decided to make these New Year's resolutions and change themselves by their own power, their own might, or by the help of those around them will fail because they do not have the indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, I know people that have not Christians that have overcome this task or that task or this problem or that problem or this addiction or that addiction and didn't go back into it. Well, there are some that actually do achieve that. But what else is going on in their life? 
There's something else in there. There's a hollow in there. There's an, another behavior somewhere that is growing in that individual that might be pulling him farther and farther away from the Lord. So there's something else going on in there. Don't always see it. Don't always know it. But know that we need to trust in the Lord. We need to listen up to His commandments and then be guided by the Holy Ghost and given that spirit of truth, that comfort that comes within us. The world doesn't know that. They don't have that comfort. They don't have that peace. Even the spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him. For He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. With us... And in us, always with us, always in us. And that is so awesome that He comes into us, He stays in us, and never leaves us. And we got to understand what started all this. How was this available to mankind? The Lord, early on in His earthly ministry, when He was going about teaching those, He approached or I should say, a man approached him, which was a very well-learned man, who was a Pharisee, very high up official in the Pharisees, came to him to ask him some questions, because this man was sincere. This man wanted to learn from the Lord. His name was Nicodemus. As you see in John chapter 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, We know that thou art a teacher, come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again, seeing the kingdom of God. Now this isn't just talking about the dwelling place of God. The kingdom of God here is talking about the family of believers to know and interact and be a part of the family of believers, then you are a part of the kingdom of God that he's speaking of here. You cannot become a part of that kingdom until you are born again. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus was thinking in the physical world, not spiritual. And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Being born of water is being a human being. Being born of the Spirit is being indwelt with the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, becoming born again, alive again, spiritually alive again. Because we are body, soul, and spirit. Born in this world, spiritually dead. When you become born again, which is what he's talking about here, you become Alive, quickened, as he says, born again, spiritually alive, reconciled with God. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Water being the physical birth. You've got to be a human being, in other words. This becoming part of the kingdom was not, there was no forgiveness available to the angels, to the celestial beings. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, speaking of being born of water, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. We're spiritually dead, we need to be spiritually alive again, born again. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. 
So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You're moved by a force that you cannot see, but you can sure feel it. You cannot see the wind, but you can sure see the results of that wind. You can feel the wind. That's the same as being born of the Spirit. When you listen up to the Holy Ghost, when you are guided by the Holy Ghost, it's like catching the wind and just following the guidance of that wind. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? This statement here goes out to all the unbelievers. They cannot believe spiritual things. Because they don't even believe the physical world things that the Lord has revealed to all mankind, such as creation itself, the worldwide flood, judgment, the fact that Jesus Christ is in control of His creation. They don't believe any of that. Therefore, they cannot believe spiritual things either. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. In heaven. He's right there in front of Nicodemus talking to him, but he's also in heaven because he is part of the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. He's connected to the Father right there in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Speaking of being lifted up on that cross to be crucified, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Should not perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. There are people out there that believe in Jesus Christ, but are not living in Jesus Christ. They believe that Jesus Christ lived. They believe that Jesus Christ was a great prophet, that He was, walked among men, that He was just a normal human that was born on Christmas Day, and that's it. They believe that, yeah, because they can't deny that. Too many historical records around the entire world, they can't deny all that. But they don't believe Him as their Lord and Savior. They have not begun to live in Him and Him in them. Therefore, they just have a head knowledge, not a heart knowledge. As earlier we, we read about believing in your heart, in your heart, not just your head, in your heart. That's when you really take it in. Read 15 and 16 again, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, everlasting, but have eternal life. Should not. When you believe in him, you should accept him. You should repent. You should desire to have a relationship. Not be anti-Christ, be satanic, be against the Lord. Because those satanic ones out there, those antichrist ones out there, believe that Jesus Christ exists. Otherwise, they wouldn't have to be anti something that didn't exist. So therefore, they're showing they, they believe in Him, but they hate Him. They don't trust Him. They haven't accepted Him. They haven't received that gift. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Through the finished work of Jesus Christ, He has opened a door of salvation for them to come in. But note, it is a door 
that is open for a limited time. Just as during the great flood, Noah built that huge ship. There was an open door there. The Lord called Noah and his family in. Those eight people came in. For a week, that door was still open. But after that week, the Lord sealed that door, closed that door. No one else could come in to receive salvation. The floods came and killed every man, woman, and child upon the planet except those eight came upon that ark. Same thing with this salvation he's speaking of. There's an open door. Come on in before that door gets closed. Because there will be a time when that door gets closed and there will be no second chance. There is no purgatory out there to go into next time and get another chance. Nope. One chance. Take it. Verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. They saw that light out there, but they ran from it. They hid from it. They went into the darkness. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. They don't want them revealed. They hide them. Secret sins. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God, worked in God. You want them revealed. You want the work that you do for the Lord revealed. You want it seen. You want it shown. That's our responsibility. That's our opportunity to shine the light of Jesus Christ, to share the love of Jesus Christ, to do a work with the Holy Ghost, to be a part of His work. That's the opportunity that He gives all of us. And it's through the finished work of Jesus Christ that that becomes available. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Very early on in the ministry, He started to tell people, Repent. means to turn away. That's where repent means, is to turn away. So you have to turn away from something that you're doing that is contrary, that is against the will of the Lord. Because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So when we find out what those sins are, just like David over and over, he says, Lord, look at me, search me completely. Is there something in my life that I need to take care of, that I need to change, that I need to alter? Please, by your power, your might, help me do that. And then set that as your goal this year. To become as God-like as you possibly can. Because he says, be holy for I am holy. You need to be as holy as Jesus Christ. He is our example. That is our goal. When you take on the name Christian, that means Christ-like. You should live like Jesus Christ. That means to, to do everything that He tells us to do. Listen up to Him. Follow His guidelines, His teachings. And then you will truly be Christian. And when there is something wrong in our lives, when there is something that is messed up that we need to change, He can see us through it because all things are possible through God. And with His power, His might, we can be the kind of people that He wants us to be, to bring honor and glory to Him. Everything that we do can bring honor and glory to Him. Everything that we say, every interaction that we have with others can help others see that light, to see the pathway to get to Jesus Christ. So they also can truly be looking forward to the many blessings He has in store for those that truly believe in Him. Over in 1 Corinthians in chapter 5, 
If you've truly accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, that's what happens. You are in Christ, Christ is in you. Notice here, He is a new creature. You become new. You are transformed into an entire new creature. Therefore, you can let go of everything in that past. Don't bring it back up and beat yourself up with it. Don't let others beat yourself up, beat you up with it, and don't let the devil beat you up with it. When they bring it up and say, Well, I know you, you used to do this, you used to do that, I used to party with you big time, yeah. Well, that was before. I'm a new creature in Christ now. Perfect door of opportunity to witness to them that there can be a transformation and become a new creature in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So let's talk about that reconciling, reconciling, coming together, reuniting with Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Father, indwelt with the Holy Ghost, becoming part of the family of God. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We're not having to pay for our sins when we trust in Jesus Christ and ask Jesus Christ to cleanse us of our sins. But if we don't ask Him to cleanse us from our sins and we're carrying them around, we're going to be held accountable to them. I say, well, I'm a Christian. I've been saved. Therefore, nothing's going to be held against me. From the time that you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all the way back to your beginning, all that is forgiven. But from the moment you receive Jesus Christ to the moment of judgment, everything that you've done is going to be looked at. You are going to be held accountable for the things that you have not gotten taken care of. You need to go to the Lord. If there's something wrong, if there's something you've done since you've become born again that you haven't gotten forgiveness for, you best ask forgiveness for it. Otherwise, come judgment day, you're going to hold, be held accountable for it. So, trust in the Lord. Yes. Get washed in the blood. Yes. Get born again. Yes. And then when you're a Christian, you walk Christian life. But when you stumble, when you fall, when you mess up, don't just carry it around. Leave it there. No, get it washed away. Get it cleansed. You don't get born again and again. That's why I always say it isn't that it's a multiple being born again. You become born again. You become a child of God. But as he tells us in here, the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. Children of disobedience. He's not going to call Satan worshipers or the people of the world that aren't his children. He's not going to call them children. But the disobedient Christians, he's going to give them some wrath. Pray that at least you have to suffer for it now and not for eternity. But we can burn up our rewards. We can lose blessings by not asking for forgiveness. So get it washed in the blood. Keep it washed in the blood daily. When you stumble, when you mess up, when you say something you shouldn't have said, when you think something you shouldn't have thought, say, Lord, forgive me. And then it washes it away. But don't think that gives you a license to just continue to sin over and over, knowing that all you got to do is say, well, Lord, forgive me as you do this or that sin in your mind before you do that, thinking, well, as soon as I'm done with this, all i got to do is say, Lord, forgive me, then I'm okay. Well, you're not saved anyway if you have that attitude. No one with that attitude is truly a born-again Christian. 
Because they didn't trust the Lord to begin with. You need to trust the Lord. Then you're not going to intentionally go out or set out a goal to sin thinking that, well, all i got to do is ask forgiveness when I'm done with this sin, then I'm okay. Well, no, sorry, you don't even have a relationship with the Lord. you got to get it right. you got to totally trust in the Lord, reconciled, the Holy Ghost in you. Then you're not going to keep sinning because that's what John writes about in his small epistles. You continuously sin. You don't know the Lord anyway. As you get back here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Like I was speaking of earlier, we need to know. We represent Jesus Christ. Those that are truly trusting Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, are out there in the world. What are they seeing? Are they seeing Jesus Christ or are they seeing some scoundrel acting like they're a Christian? Now then, we are... Ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He took on all the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future, to allow us to be forgiven. All we need to do is Confess our sins, just like you said where in First John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All of it, clean, gone. Don't let anybody bring it back up and beat you up with it. Become a new creature in Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank You for salvation. We truly thank You for that cleansing that we can have. And then that motivation that You can give us. That feeling of joy and comfort and peace that comes upon us when we truly trust You. When we are truly cleansed. And let us all have that excitement of that cleansing. And get out there and share that opportunity with others out there too. So they can be cleaned up this coming year. There's so many doors to be opened up for us to walk through and proclaim You as our Lord and Savior. Give us that boldness to do that very thing. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.